Welcome to Beyond the Bar podcast, and I'm your host, Anissa Tova. I am so excited to officially launch our podcast today. And this podcast, it's not about the law at all. It's about the people behind it. And we're going to have a real talk with legal professionals. We really are going to dig into their personal side of their lives because look, they play so many roles. And sometimes people forget while they're going through their own divorce and they're immersed in their own conflict that divorce professionals, you know, that they're also human. They're on their side trying to manage their expectations. They have the same human needs. They go through personal losses, challenges. They do charitable things and they do dumb things like we all do. <laughs> but, but they not only act as advocates, but they're also acting as therapists and coaches and confidants while they're trying to balance their own lives. And then they have to hold it all together at home and be parents. And, and again, they're real people facing real challenges. So join me here for inspiring conversations. And uh, so that you don't miss any of them, be sure to hit that subscribe button. And uh, let's just get ready to uh, get behind the minds and souls of these remarkable professionals. So today, I have an absolute pleasure to launch this podcast with our inaugural guest, the remarkable Jacqueline Newman. She is a dear friend, an accomplished attorney, author, speaker, lecturer, and she embodies a multifaceted modern day woman. She is a devoted mother. She does everything over a million percent. And while she excels in her profession, she does not forget about the importance of balance and reset self-care. But here's the thing. She was able to craft that sort of equilibrium, that, that, that harmony within her own firm. And, and she was able to foster this culture where work and life balance is not just an idea, it's a reality. And, and I know that for a fact because I have spoken to attorneys who work there and they just have, you know, amazing things to say uh, about Jacqueline. So welcome, Jacqueline. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited. You know, I, one of my favorite questions is, uh, tell, us, tell us your story. You know, what, what led you to who you are today? So believe it or not, I've actually always wanted to be a matrimonial attorney since I was like middle school. Pretty bizarre for somebody to want to be a matrimonial attorney in middle school. Uh, my parents were both psychotherapists. The big family joke was that I was too aggressive to be a therapist. Um, and so this was sort of the next best thing. And I've loved it. I have focused on it when I was in college. I worked for a matrimonial attorney in college that created the first independent study. Um, when I was in law school, I did solely matrimonial law. Um, I'll put all my eggs in one basket. Thank God it worked out. And the way I came to my firm was my professor, uh, Barry Berkman, who is now my partner. I went up to him at the end of class and asked if he was hiring. And luckily he said, sure, because the gentleman that was uh, working for them at the time was leaving to go follow the Grateful Dead. So he said, come on board. And I've been here for over 25 years. And now I'm the managing partner. Wow. That is, that is truly impressive. You know, and, and, and the fact that you sort of followed, you, you had that foresight at such a young age and, and you, you followed that journey and, 
and your passion and energy, it, it really shows. Um, and there's definitely no sign of slowing down. <laughs> and, you know, I, I heard, <laughs> I heard you say that you would like to build a firm that grows with its people. What, what do you mean by that? So for me, when I thought about like, what was, what was my goal in this firm and what am I really looking to do? And a lot of it came down to, I want to have a firm that can go, can grow, help grow with people through the stages of their life. So I thought about myself. So when I first came to the firm, as I said, you know, I was a very, very baby lawyer and you know, the two partners was Walter Bachner and Barry Bergman, and they were able to give me the support that I needed to really learn the craft to learn you know, how to deal with people, to learn the law, to be supported in everything that you need to do in your first, call it 10 years of practice. I wanted to be able to give that to the people that would ultimately end up being part of the firm that I would be running in the future. So we're one of the only firms that hire um, you know, first years because we have a lot of people that are homegrown, and which is a good thing also because you can teach them the way you want them to do things. And you're able to really, so I feel like the people that we have that are younger, we're able to really give them that support system. And, you know, as our firm has grown, you know, the support system has grown bigger and they've been able to be exposed to a lot of different attorneys so they can figure out what style they like, what style they don't like, and really kind of create something of their own. So for me, it's really that first stage. I wanted to be able to give that to people. But then people move on to their second stage of life, as I did. And you know, as you mentioned, I'm a mother. And for me, it was very, very important to be able to have that work-life balance. And, you know, when I had my first child, which is now for 17 years ago, um, I wanted to work from home and I wanted to be home with her two days a week. And back then, this is obviously way pre-COVID and way for pre-people, you know, being so comfortable with working from home, I had to hide it. You know, my the partners agreed I could do it. Um, but I got a lot of slack of like assuming I wasn't working when I was home, which of course was not the case. But I had to pretend that I wasn't home because people would think you weren't working if you were home. They would think less of you. And especially being a woman in a more male dominated you know, industry, I had to be a little bit careful about that too. And being a young woman to add to it. So for me, you know, I thought all the time, I didn't miss things for my children, and I felt so incredibly fortunate. I missed about three events in their growing up, one being a softball game, one being uh, you know, a back-to-school type of thing where it's go see your child's artwork on the walls. And then there was one other thing which I can't remember, but I know there were three. And so considering you know, I had children that were involved in a lot of things, you know, to miss three is not so bad. And that was so important, and no one could have paid me enough money to have treated that experience. And so that to me is so important. And that's what I want to give to the people that are working with me now. So when you're in that second stage of life, um, for me, it's very important. And we offer this, you know, people can work two days a week, they can work three days a week, they can work four days a week. You know, it's really, and it's legitimate. Like, you know, you're not getting someone looking at you after and being like, oh, why aren't you here? We know why you're not here because you've made choices. And, you know, and for me, it is very important to people not miss things of their children. And, you know, this has all become a little bit easier, you know, post COVID because now working from home is, you know, a way of life, but I was doing it before that and I am truly encouraging it. And I don't see a situation where we'll be necessarily going back to a five day a week thing in the office ever. Um, I just don't see that happening. Never say never, but I really can't see it. So for yeah. me, I wanted the firm to be able to be something that grew. And then, you know, your stages after that, you know, when you're say you're, you know, your kids are older, you know, I want people to be in a situation where they can mentor, they can teach, they can, you know, continue to originate anything that, you know, they feel that their career have brought them to. So that to me is the goal to be able to kind of have a firm that grows with people through stages of life. That is, that is, that is so, so 
amazing because I, I personally do believe and and I embody the balance and and that's why you know that's why I do what I do like with this podcast <clears throat> because um, it's the human element and and I and I I've always said um, you know you give people what they need to thrive and the the kind of environment they need to thrive and they do wonders and it's not about performance and driving performance and it's it's just looking at other other values and what's important to them. And, you know, my team is uh, same thing. I have a lot of, it's, it's a virtual team primarily, and, and they each, they have their own environment um, and they work independently. And, but at the same time, we work cohesively. Uh, you know, and there's some people who do like the structure, need the structure, they wanna come in every single day. But, uh, so I really commend you and, and admire you for being fearless you know, and just sort of like march into your own tune way back, you know, pre-COVID and, and kind of realizing this is really important to me and I can still accomplish all of these things. I am just going to do it and I'll continue doing it. So that is so awesome. I really applaud you for doing that. Um, and you, you published a book. Uh, you know, I don't know how you do it, but you do it. <laughs> and the book called The New Rules of Divorce, if we can, we can see it right here. It's 12 Secrets to Protecting Your Wealth, Health, and Happiness. So I want to know what inspired you to write this and, and how do you believe that it's even slightly different than many books out there on divorce? So what inspired me really to write this was about you know, people would come to me very often and they'd say, you know, what do I need to know if I'm getting divorced? And I found myself in a lot of our initial consultations going through a lot of the same speeches. And I thought to myself, you know what, it would be so helpful, I think, for so many people who are on the fence, not sure what they want to do, feel completely scared, which is most people that are contemplating a divorce, to be in a situation where they could read something from a divorce attorney who's been doing it a long time, knows kind of the ins and outs of it, and be in a position of reading it and saying afterwards, okay, I get this. Like I can make a, uh, an educated decision which way I wanna go. And it's a lot cheaper, you know, the 19.99 or whatever it is the cost to get the book is a lot cheaper than, you know, my hourly rate of coming for a consultation. So I think that when people are in that beginning stage and making these decisions, you wanna be educated. And the book does, you know, it's not a pro-divorce book by any means. I mean. It begins with a question that I often ask my clients right off the bat is, are you sure you want to get divorced? And if people pause for a nanosecond, I say, go see a marriage counselor. Like you do not want to go through this process unless you are sure. And even the people that are sure, you know, I would say, I was just saying to someone recently, if I probably turn away, I would say probably about 40, 45% of the people that come to see me for a consultation, I'm often saying, this is not the right time for you to get divorced. I know you want out, but you got to think about all these other things. And it's not great for business, I will say, but I think it's the right thing to do because you don't want to push someone into a situation where they're not ready. And it's just not smart because divorce is all about strategy, much less about the law. And it's all about psychological strategy. Absolutely. And the incredible damage that it can have uh, lasting, lasting ripples. Um, it's almost like, and this is without a judgment, but we can say whatever we want. It's almost like, uh, you know, we're, we're sort of became this disposable society when it comes to relationships. And, you know, I am following a great sort of spiritual guru. His name is Michael Singer. And, and he says, you know, we, we, we have our personal mind that is driven by our ego and it's a collection of preferences, you know, that we collect since our childhood. And so we sort of, uh, it shows in our selection of like even partners, right? It's like, you know, I want you to fix me. Oh, actually you're not here to fix me. Hmm, I don't like you so much anymore. So, 
But anyway, and I know it's not as simple. It's very complicated. I've been down, uh, you know, that path before. So that's that's wonderful that you can just really help them think think through it. All right, let's get a little personal here. So let's talk about finances. Um, what type of money messages do you remember receiving as you were growing up? Um, and, and how do you feel it, it impacted you today? So money wasn't a taboo subject um, when I was growing up. It wasn't something that, you know, felt dirty or wrong or you were greedy. You know, it was, it was really kind of just a fact of life. You know, you know, you can afford certain things, you can't afford certain things, you know, and I started, I was working from, God, I was probably started at 15 um, and I worked in, you know, I was a waitress for a gazillion years. I was a bartender. I worked a lot in the restaurant industry and you really learn a lot going through those kind of processes. And I think that, you know, my parents, you know, definitely took care of me, but, you know, I had responsibilities and I had things that I had to pay for. And I think they saw money as a means to an end, but again, one of the biggest things is it wasn't taboo. And so when you think about, you know, money can be a very emotional topic for people and it is seen to be still very hush-hush. Um, it's kind of interesting that when I do an initial consultation with someone who I've met for maybe eight minutes, you know, one of my first questions is how much money do you make? And how much, what do you have in assets? And I feel no oddness asking them all these questions and these people give me all the answers and they don't even know me but because i'm so comfortable with that and i make them comfortable and obviously it's information i need to know to be able to help you know help them in a divorce situation but i think that if i grew up feeling like money was you know a hush hush thing i think i would feel more uncomfortable asking those questions but i clearly don't i feel like money is just a means to an end and it shouldn't be something that people feel is a secret or something that you can't talk about Oh, you are a rarity. Uh, I am of the same yeah, uh, sort of a thought process too. It's uh, and and it's really a lot of times when when the issues in in the relationship when when they are around money, it's it's really not about the numbers. It's about the communication around it, um, and and being able you know to bring in the transparency. So that that is really wonderful. Um, and I know you do ask direct and amazing questions. That's why you know you you and I we have we have great conversations. Um, so switching gears back to your book. It, it feels like when I when I look through it and, and read through it, it aims to help readers emerge from their breakup stronger, happier, and secure. Can you talk about that? Yeah, so, you know, toward the end of the book, I talk a lot about, like, how are you going to survive this? And, you know, I'm a big proponent of self-care, no matter what you're doing in your life. I think that if you can't take care of yourself, you can't take care of others. So I am a big, big believer in, you know, taking those 10, 15 minutes for yourself or more if you can. Um, you know, doing something that you really enjoy, going to the spa, you know, just whatever, exercise, meditation, whatever it is you need to do, take that time for yourself. Um, and so that's something I really promote in the book as a whole and as a person um, to my friends and family and everyone else. But I think that in the book, what happens a lot in divorce is, I mean, there's just so many emotional layers as you can imagine. So you have people that feel guilt about obviously leaving the marriage. They have guilt about their spouse or soon to be ex-spouse. They have guilt about their children. You know, a lot of times I have one chapter that's called, you know, put your air mask on first because so many people, you know, really want to be caretakers to everyone else, especially if they're the ones who initiated the divorce. The guilt is just enormous and, you know, breaking up the family and just ruining people's lives and all these, you know, people just catastrophize hugely about all the damage that they're creating by deciding that they no longer want to be in a marriage. And so I think it's just so important to take that time, take care of yourself, recognize that you're not ruining people's lives. 
you're doing, you know, you're hopefully putting yourself in a better position to be happier and to surround yourself and, you know, with happiness that you can spread to the people that you do love. So I think it's just important to take your time to do what you have to do to kind of become strong and that will help you get through everything. So again, big proponent of self-care and doing what you got to do. That is very different than what's out there. Wonderful. Well, we're actually posting a link uh, to this book uh, below, as well as a link to your bio. I forgot to mention that. Um, switching gears a little bit, um, tell me about any major setbacks and, and how you dealt with them. So, you know, a personal major setback, I guess, I, I don't know if I'd call it a setback, but, uh, you know, I had lost my father when I was 35 and I was incredibly close with him. And that, that was a really, I mean, maybe I lost him to cancer, so, you know, I was very involved in his care. And well, I don't know if I consider it a setback. Um, you know, it was obviously a devastation to me and my whole family, and I still think about him every day. But, um, you know, I did, I did gain a lot of insight from it. I mean, it gave me a huge perspective on the things that are important and the things that aren't, because I think until you, you know, suffer any kind of loss or any kind of major life impact, you know, you can get caught up on a lot of little things because they seem very important until they're not. Um, and so I think I did gain a lot of strength through the process. I mean, if I could, you know, obviously have him back, I would, I would want him back, but you know, I'm a very big believer and you try to look at the strengths. And I think that, you know, for me, I was able to really capture the fact, I mean, he, you know, I was 35, so I feel like he played the role for me as a father to the degree of like helping me become the person that I was, you know, it, it's very sad to me that he wasn't able to be a grandfather to my children. And that is where I feel the greatest loss. But I think that, you know, I really gained a lot from it and from his life and, and the strength that it took to kind of, you know, get through it because it was incredibly devastating, as I said, but to be strong and, and to do things that I, you know, I still believe he's watching. And so to do things that I feel like he's looking down and, and now proud of me for. So again, I don't know if it was a setback, but it was a, it was a major impact in my life, to say the least. Wow. Oh, I'm. Thank you for sharing that. I really um, was moved by that. I, I, I lost my son two years ago. He would have been 30. Uh, his name is Elias. And, you know, you said something is, um, I, I, of course, you know, we miss him tremendously. But, but I've learned. I, I feel his presence. Um, and um, I, he, there's just, I've, I've gained a new perspective. And, and actually, it's, it's, um, as I make decisions about life, whether it's career, whatever choices I, I can, it's almost like he's guiding me. And I remember he, he, he left to laugh. And, you know, whenever I feel like things are really serious, I, it just, it's, it's a reminder that, you know, he, I can hear him saying, ma, come on. It's, it's really not a big deal. So it's, um, it's, it's, uh, it's wonderful, um, that you can, you can, you can feel your father's presence and that he had such a, an amazing impact and we do miss them dearly. Thank yes. you for sharing that. I, yeah. And, uh, you just returned from amazing vacation. Tell me about that. So we were in Greece. Um, you know, it was me and my, I have a 17 year old and a soon to be 15 year old. Um, she tells everyone she's 15. She's not 15 yet, but um, she'd be upset if I called her 14. Anyway, but uh, so we were just yep. in Greece with my husband and we went to Athens. We went to Crete. We went to Santorini. It was so beautiful. Um, it's just so amazing to me that there are these places in the world that are just so, I mean, 
breathtaking, like just absolutely, absolutely gorgeous. And, you know, and I'm sitting here right now in New York City and I'm looking out my window at skyscrapers. I happen to love New York City and I find that to be beautiful in its own right as well. But it's amazing that both those two places are on this globe, like to have like, they're so grossly yeah. different. Um, but yeah, it was just, it was such a wonderful, wonderful experience. And so we had such a great time and I'm still kind of, you know, readjusting to life, not in Greece. <laughs> Yeah. Were you able to completely unplug or are you one of those that like, okay, I'll enjoy it, but I'll check my emails here and there? You know, yes, I definitely check my emails here and there. You know, as managing partner, you can't completely, completely unplug. I will say though, I feel like I am plugged more on this vacation than I probably have previously because I, I made a real mental effort to to do that. Like I made myself very present. I mean, I will be honest, the seven hour time difference helped because most of the time New York was sleeping. <laughs> um, so that definitely was a, a helpful thing in allowing myself to be like, okay, well, I know it's four in the morning, so nobody's doing anything right now. I can relax. But, um, but yeah, I made a major effort, I'd say this year more than ever. And every year I feel like I'm getting a little bit better at kind of staying in the present. And, you know, I'm fortunate that I have excellent people that work in my office with me. And so I felt really comfortable you know, leaving my clients in the hands of the people that I work with. So that was helpful too. Again, you have an amazing team. Um, it's, yeah. uh, it, it is yeah. a wonderful feeling. Uh, it's almost like having a location independent business, if you think about it. And, uh, you know, I was born and raised in Prague and, and went back there this year and the same thing. It's the time difference definitely helped. And it was terrific to be able to just you know, get, get all the emails out of the way and, and just knowing that there is a team that can handle just about anything. And again, this, this is a great testament to you. Um, so on a final note, what advice would you give to incoming legal attorneys that you wish someone gave you? Someone gave me, um, well, I do have advice I give to people. And I, I wonder, I don't know if someone gave this to me, but they may have. Um, my real advice is you gotta love what you do. And I know that sounds so cliche, but I will honestly say that if I didn't love what I do, and look, there are days that I don't, you know, it's not an everyday situation, but um, all in all, I do love what I do. And I feel like I'm really helping people. So I get a lot of personal satisfaction from it. But the other thing, just going to the team and stuff, I think it's so important to surround yourself with people that you care about, that care about you. You know, I know it's a little bit of a doggy dog world, but there are people are out there that can be your people. And I think if you can find that, you're incredibly fortunate and it makes going to work not really going to work and it makes it something that you enjoy and you care about. And so you know, it's just finding the happiness. It's life's too short not to find that. Indeed. I love that. I love that. Well, it's been terrific, Jacqueline. Thank you so much for being a guest on our show today and sharing your story. And thank you all for celebrating with us as we kicked off our first Beyond the Bar podcast with this amazing episode. And make sure to subscribe so you do not miss any episodes. Thank you.